Welcome, Mike, to the studio. Welcome, Mike, to our Monday recaps. Every Monday, we sit down here and we yap. Sometimes for 47 minutes, sometimes for 67 minutes, sometimes for an hour and seven minutes. I know it's the same thing as 67 minutes. That's what I'm saying. We just be yapping. We recap every single game from this previous weekend's NFL slate. So today will be the Week 10 recap. We move to Week 11. We're, we're firmly in the double digits now. We are firmly four or five weeks away from fantasy playoffs. We're firmly towards the second half of the season. We are We are firm. Case in point, we are firm in here, all right? So welcome in, everybody. We'll take a second to just dial in. Everybody dial in. Sometimes I got to move things out of the background because every once in a while it picks up. It, like, starts to focus on random things, you know, and then I become out of focus and the screen becomes out of focus. And then y'all are not focused anymore. Y'all are not dialed in. Today we're going to run through every single game. We're going to talk about the fantasy recaps, everything big, small, good, bad, ugly, past, present, future, the injuries that are big for your fantasy teams, some of the uh, waiver wire look-ahead players, and we'll look at some underdog slips for Monday night. So you know what? We'll just start off with that. Right now, if you have not used the Underdog Fantasy app, they have a beautiful free square for you. Tonight, Josh Allen needs to literally get .5 total yards. If he gets a single yard, you get a free square on there, okay? Everybody be yapping about, ah, it's not a free square. Sometimes people get hurt. It's actually happened this year where the free square didn't get a yard. But Underdog's good people. They give you that fucking win anyways. They just want you on the platform. They want you to come hang out, have a good time. They want to show off the product. They want to show off their services. They want to show off their camaraderie. They just want you on there to play. And I just want you on there to play, which is why I give you this free square. And if you sign up with our code, BDGE, they're going to hit you with a 100% deposit match. So anything you deposit on the first time, you're like, hey, I want to go throw $20 down on this Josh Allen square. You use you use code BDG, and guess what? You're actually going to have $40 on your account to play with. And we go heavy in the offseason. We're doing best ball drafts. Hopefully, they're going to rip a uh, resurrection draft soon. That would be a little fun. We have a, a little little bit of fun in this economy. I feel like I deserve it. I feel like I deserve a little bit of fun in this economy. Huh? Anybody else? No? I didn't think I would either. Patriots are waving Jack Jones. Who cares? Who cares? You guys care? No. Let's get into the games. You guys don't care about what I'm saying right now either. Bang. Let me move the camera over. Keep it low. So we're going to do this the same way that we do it every single week. We're just going to throw me up on the big screen here and go game by game through the box scores of this week. We had, I want to say, four teams on by. We had the Chiefs. We had some other teams, whatever, whatever. Uh, this upcoming week, though, week 11, we'll have the Falcons, the Colts, the Patriots, and the Saints. Thank God. Thank God the Falcons are on the bye, man. We all needed that. Like, I'm a, I'm a Falcons fan, and I feel like I need that. But I kind of also feel like the NFL as just like a fan base – collectively needed the Falcons to be on a bye. So shout out to me because I made that happen. Carolina and Chicago, this was like the ugliest fucking Thursday night football game ever. And normally when you predict that to happen, it doesn't happen. Like something exciting happens, but everybody was like, man, this is the worst Thursday night football game ever. And then it became the worst Thursday night football game ever. The Bears won 16 to 13, just further cementing that first round pick that the Panthers actually gave them to be even worse, or in their case, even better. Um, so a huge win for the Bears, even though it didn't really mean anything. Chuba remained the starter and the guy who got the most touches. It did not amount to anything. So they've just kind of sat Miles Sanders altogether. There's just nothing going on in this Panthers offense. They're not explosive. They don't have big-time playmakers. Ever since the play callers have shifted, Adam Thielen's been – I mean, he's been involved, but none of his plays anymore are explosive. I don't know if he's losing juice towards the second half of the year or the targets downfield are starting to evaporate a bit, but he's continuing to see, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 targets a game. They have just not really converted like they did in the first half of the year. You're obviously – you know, I don't even know why I'm yapping about it. You're still, you're still playing him on every level. Um. That's it, though. The Panthers are in free fall. I still think Chuba's, like, relatively startable if you need him in a pinch. Like, he, he was good prior to this game, and he's still taking, if you look at the percentages of 
just the carries and the overall involvement in like the passing game, et cetera. He's still like the go-to guy in that backfield. He's just not a, a, a great player by any means. Uh, Miles Sanders, obviously, if you still have him on your roster, he is super duper droppable. Bear side of things, we did not get the return from Khalil Herbert. So we don't actually know how this this uh, this backfield is going to play out. We also are not really sure when Justin Fields is going to be back, right? Like Justin Fields, in theory, should be back next week. But I also think there's just as good of a chance that he misses another game than he makes it back for next week's game. So we're just kind of sitting on our hands here. If, um, if we get another agent game it's not great this is like what we can kind of uh, expect from Moore and Komet I think those two are definitely startable Komet's shown really good chemistry with Bajan up to this point DJ Moore feels like he goes five for 55 every single game with uh Bajan so that's it is what it is Deonta Foreman and Khalil Herbert I'm interested to see how this backfield splits up typically you know if if a guy misses significant amount of time he does not play that much coming back in the first week um but I think Khalil Herbert will probably just like split carries in half with Deontay Foreman. I think he's been good enough that he has carved out a real role in this offense. He's kind of like forced his way in there. They they benched him early on. They didn't want to see uh they didn't want to see him succeed. They wanted him to fail. And against all odds, Deontay Foreman, I'll tell you what, man, you got you got to give Deontay a lot of respect. I don't know how many of y'all remember him back in college, but he went to University of Texas and he was a fucking baller. At Texas, this dude, he might have ran for like 2,000 yards. He might have ran. He, he did something crazy in college, I remember. I was a big fan of him because I used to like the Texas Longhorns. And got to the league, obviously, he tore his Achilles. And this was prior to like us ever seeing a successful Achilles return, especially at the running back position. And I would arguably say he's been like the most successful return from an Achilles injury at the running back position that we've seen. Like Akers, was that successful? Was it successful? I don't know. You tell me. But Foreman's actually been good for a relatively long period of time now for a few years. Never in like a feature role, but we're seeing it. So I think he's put together one of the more respectable veteran careers given all the adversity that he has faced. So Roshan's droppable. Uh, Deontay Foreman I would definitely hold on to, continue to hold on to. And I probably feel okay starting him next week, even with Khalil Herbert coming back, most likely if he does. The Colts and the Patriots, this game in Germany was fucking gross. Uh, the Colts won 10-6. What are the takeaways here? Um, Do- Josh Downs came into the game very injured, so I wouldn't look like too much into any of the targets or whatnot. Pittman continues to be the one, but Jonathan Taylor completely took over. 23 carries to Zach Moss's one. So as much as this pains me to say, Zach Moss is probably droppable unless you want to hold on to a Jonathan Taylor handcuff because we know what Zach Moss does when Jonathan Taylor is not there. Uh, So outside of, you know, having luxury room for a handcuff, I I do also think getting closer to the end of the year, and I talked about this on the sit-start stream that I did on Saturday for y'all. Actually, I just got to make sure that this thing is up and running smoothly. I didn't even check. You're, 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 we're good. Okay. Um, Zach Moss, what was I saying? Oh, okay. So, yeah, as you get later into the season, again, like the thing that matters the most is your starting lineup. Depth starts to matter less. And I think handcuffs start to become more and more important. You're looking for one week ceiling games. Uh, so if JT goes down and you have him and you're riding him into the playoffs and you don't have Zach Moss, you fucked. So if you have JT, I'd hold on to him. Otherwise, I don't think he's someone that you need to hold on to. These types of performances are going to happen with Gardner Minshew up and down. It is what it is. Uh, just a tough environment going to Germany, early game. Like the, the time difference is pretty significant. Um, they were talking about during the game that like Mac Jones started preparing to play in Germany earlier that week. So he'd be going to bed at 530 p.m. Like Monday while he was in Massachusetts which didn't do him any fucking good because he got benched. He arguably played like one of his worst games up until this point. And this was not like uh, this has happened quite a few times up up to this point in Mac Jones's career where Bailey Zappi's come in. But this was the first time that it wasn't like them getting blown out. Like second half, they're, they're down by like 25, et cetera. This was like game on the line. Bailey Zappi, take us, take us on a game-winning drive. Take, make a movie right now. 
make a featured fucking film out here in New England. That didn't work either. This is just the um, this is just the Northeast version of the Atlanta Falcons right now. Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi are just Desmond Ritter, a less mobile Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke, where everyone thinks they have it figured out because one guy played a little bit better one week at a time. It's just it's just gonna keep going back and forth. But the Mac Jones era in New England is, you know, they're like a top five projected pick, if not top three, I think at this point. They're they're bad. They're two and eight. So they are likely looking towards the future after this one. Ramondre, good to see him getting back involved. 23 touches. Didn't amount to uh, much because he didn't get into the end zone. But Zeke is, Zeke is still, like, ripping off a lot of touches as well. 13 for 54 on the ground, two for 34 through the air. 15 touches right there. That's pretty significant. But a lot of that probably is more to say with just the the game plan um, and New England only being within, you know, four points or whatever most of the game. In games where they're getting blown out, which is most of the time, you know, they'll never be able to give their running backs 33 carries. Demario Douglas continues to be as <laughs> – I love how Hayden Hayden Winks for underdog puts it. Uh, he calls people PPR scams. So Demario Douglas is for sure a PPR scam, but, like, it's not – this is this is a scam that's not illegal. You can continue to put him into your lineup and get, you know, 12 to 13 PPR points. We've been talking about him for, for weeks now, so I'll stop yapping. Texans bangled, man. Dude, there are there are um I you know what? I'm 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 jumping to the Giants Cowboys game because I want to talk about Dak Prescott, which segues into the other quarterbacks in that game. Dak Prescott has played, he has been the best NFL player over the last month. I don't I don't think that I don't think there's an argument to be made otherwise. Uh, over the last month of NFL football, Dak Prescott has been the best football player on the planet. And this is not coming up just because of the game he had against New York Giants, who are a terrible fucking defense. He has done this now consecutive weeks over and over and over again. Do I think he's the MVP front or do I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL? I, no, I no. It, this doesn't change my mind on who he is as a player. We've we've seen a fucking eight year sample size of him already. But right now, over the last month of the season, Dak Prescott has been the best football player on the planet and cd lamb has followed suit that goes for another 400 yards i want to say he has probably like fucking three qb1 finishes on the year that's crazy that does not happen very often um we're only 10 weeks through the season he's like the Q- at worst i think he's probably two qb1 finishes and a qb2 finish which that alone is incredible and I think I don't know if Dak was necessarily like written off this offseason, but like I wasn't super high on him. If I was in that range of, you know, QB like nine to eleven, a lot of the times I was looking at guys like Kirk or Tua over him, which realistically didn't work out any worse than that. And I they're all probably kind of like similar in, in fantasy points overall, obviously prior to Kirk's injury. But Dak was kind of like a little bit of an afterthought for me. And uh I'm I'm liking him. I'm, I'm liking seeing him put together some of these games. Obviously, it has leaked over into C.D. Lamb, who's gone three straight games of 10 catches, 150-plus yards, uh, which is nuts. We saw a nice little Brandon Cooks bounce back, nine for 173, and a touchdown, which is like pretty much his only good game of the season. I, I'm i not really like buying into it, but this was something someone asked me in the, in the stream. Like, I, I'm holding on to either Cooks or Gallup, you know, which one. And I was shocked that anyone's even holding on to Gallup at this point. And, you know, if you played him, I guess, like, cool. But Cooks is still running, like, 95% of the routes. So in games like this where they have shitty defenses and Dak is absolutely pinpoint accuracy, Cooks will probably have some big games there. So it was good to see Jake Ferguson got in again. Uh, Michael Gallup did get in. But, like, the Cowboys passing offense is steamrolling opponents. And it is no thanks to the ground game. Tony Pollard, another game where the Cowboys put up like fucking 40 plus points and he comes away a loser again. He he's he's pretty much unstartable at this point. He is unstartable. Um I don't even know what scenario there would be for me to want to put him back into my lineup. I'm trying to think of what scenario would it take for like the fantasy community to be like he's back. He probably needs to have a 20 plus touch game, 100 plus yards, 120 plus total yards from scrimmage and a touchdown or two in a game. But they've had like five different game scripts where that should have happened already. Like if you were able to look at the scores, the final scores of games for the Cowboys in the regular or before the season kicked off. Right. And you were able to say like, okay, through week 10, 
They're going to have games where they win 49 to 17. They're going to have games where they win 40, whatever it is. You're able to see the scores. Anyone in their right fucking mind would be like, all right, Tony Pollard's top five fantasy running back, top three fantasy running back at worst. This is one of the more mind boggling things. The only thing I could think of is that, like, that injury that he suffered last year um, just changed who he was as a player, just zapped his explosiveness, and he just wasn't the same after that. It's really the only thing I can think of. Everyone keeps saying, oh, they're not getting enough opportunities. They're not using him the right way. Like, they're fucking using him exactly how you wanted them to use him. He doesn't get a lot of work in the passing game, but he's also not fucking explosive at all this year. He's not making big plays. In the limited sample size that they did give him uh, passing work, he's not making big plays. In, in, in the ground game, he's not making big plays. Like, he's not doing nothing. He ain't doing nothing. Enough. Um, so Rico Dowdle had production garbage time for the most part. But whereas, like, if Rico Dowdle gets hurt, it doesn't do anything for Tony Pollard. But if Tony Pollard gets hurt, Rico Dowdle probably steps in as an RB1. Because the usage in the backfield is high. It's It's juicy. But the players stink right now. So um, on that front, Rico Dowdle is probably someone that needs to be owned in almost every league. But the reason I wanted to start, I mean, there's nothing to take away from the Giants side of the ball. Uh, Saquon like played well, I guess, for as well as Tommy DeVito being your starting quarterback. This team is just so unserious. They, they don't want to win games. I mean, they don't really have a choice. Dan Jones is out. Tyrod Taylor is out. They, 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 Tommy DeVito cannot win a football game. Like, he's not an NFL quality caliber quarterback. It's so crazy when you think about it because, like, when you watch these games and you're like, Tommy DeVito is the worst quarterback in the NFL, he's so good in, in like, real life. Like, if you went to a, a, a park, if you walked down the street and went to a park and you saw Tommy DeVito, like, throwing to his friends – you'd be like, holy shit, this guy's got to try out for an NFL team or something, you know? It is, like, incredible how amazing the athletes are on an NFL field and how if you have to be just, like, the elite of the elite of the elite. And, and them being on TV and them all being so fast makes them – it, like, cannibalizes their talent, right? Like, you can't really tell just by watching TV how fast things move on the NFL field – and how quickly windows close and how strong and fast the combination of that most of these dudes are where it makes a guy like Tommy DeVito who all world quarterback like probably top 60 in the world at, at doing it looks like a fucking bum you can't win an NFL game with him at QB so I, I Tyrod Taylor's on the IR maybe he comes back in three four weeks but like that point why just just tank just go straight war mode tank get the QB so while Dak has been playing the best football of the last month I would argue that these two quarterbacks in this game have been top five as well CJ Stroud is playing like a savvy vet Joe Burrow I think if Joe Burrow played kind of like a flawless game in this one I think you can make the argument that he was the best player in the NFL over the last month but this was just a fun ass game man you, you get to see Joe Burrow playing at a high level without one of his high-level uh, weapons in T. Higgins. And then you get C.J. Stroud, who is pretty much like the incumbent, the next Joe Burrow. And we were having a discussion in the office yesterday about like what, what tier does C.J. Stroud go into if you were redrafting in Dynasty Startup, where would he go? If you were an NFL team, where would he go? Like right now, Stroud is, you know, he's not in the elite tier yet, but it won't take much more for him to be – at the top of the second tier. Like right now, the argument between him and him and Justin Herbert is super real. And I would probably take Stroud. I think he's shown more consistency, uh, more placement and accuracy. Whereas like it's funny, I saw um I think Noah Noah runs the social media for underdog fantasy. And Noah used to work here at BDGE and he tweeted something out where he was like apparently according to Twitter the only thing that matters for um, athleticism or the only thing that matters for upside or whatever is speed and elusiveness. It's like people are enamored by specific traits. And if you have those traits, then you have all the upside in the world. But if you don't have those traits, you can't really actually be successful as successful as the other people that have these traits. 
And I think about that, and it's funny because it's super true. Like, people don't like running backs unless they're really fast or really elusive. They don't have the upside that the other guys have. Like, David Montgomery can never have the upside that Jameer Gibbs have has because he's athletic and he's fast. But David Montgomery's playing just as well and much better over the first half of the year, et cetera. My point is with, like, a guy like Justin Herbert, we get enamored by the elite traits he has while C.J. Stroud is playing unbelievable, like, consistent, down-to-down, doesn't fuck up throws very rarely, obviously, as a rookie, but like the accuracy, the placement, the end, every buzzword, every CJ Stroud is putting meaning behind the buzzwords. That is like the ultimate way I can describe the way CJ Stroud is playing. If you're just a normal casual fan and you hear these talking heads on, on TV being like, this guy's anticipation and his placement and his accurate and all the all these buzzwords, when you watch CJ Stroud play, he makes those buzz buzzwords come to life. He puts the ball where only his guys can catch it. He does so on the run. He does so in like split seconds. And he does so all over the field, man. And he very rarely misplaces a ball. And half the time he's he's thrown the ball before he sees the guy open, which is like such a telltale sign of you you just got you got it going on. And you'll see C.J. Stroud, and I think a lot of people will be hesitant to say, oh, C.J. Stroud over Justin Herbert in that tier because you see Herbert and he's got the big arm and he makes these throws that are like highlight-worthy throws. But his consistency is not there in the way that guys like Stroud project to you know come into. And I think that's the reason why we'll never see like Herbert really, really in that elite, elite tier. He makes awesome plays and he'll have games where you're like, what the fuck? This is the best game I've ever seen. But it won't be put together for a long period of time. Where Stroud is like quickly entering that range of every time you watch him play, it's like, man, this dude just don't fuck up. This dude elevates every single thing around him. He's doing it with a fucked up offensive line with Devin Singletary going 30 for 150. This is this probably one of the... Probably one of the worst calls I had in the offseason was like buying into Damian Pierce. Ironically, I didn't really end up with any Pierce in any of my redraft leagues. He probably ended up starting going like too high by the time the drafts really came around. I loved Pierce as a talent. It just ain't happened. It just, like if Damian Pierce had a 30 for 150 in a touchdown game, we'd be up his ass. We'd be in that ass like a wedgie. Devin Singletary does it. And no one cares. I will say, though, the Bengals run D is bad. They are bad. Don't be fooled by the fact that the Bengals are hot and they played a, some good defense over the last couple of weeks. Their run D is tremendously bad. Um, but not to take away from D-Singh, we'll see if Pierce is back next week. Even if he is, I can't imagine that Singletary gets demoted to the backup again after this game. Um, with the wide receivers, man, everybody's eating here. Noah Brown with another incredible game, 7 for 172 on eight targets, about as efficient as catches Every single target except one, and averaged 24.6 yards per reception. Just insane fucking footwork out there. Playing the Nico Collins role, it's it's tough to really like buy into Noah Brown, knowing that, because you look at the other players on the roster, and you're like, Nico Collins, uber talented. Tank Dell, so fucking talented. Dalton Schultz, good, like getting after it. So it's like you kind of just automatically assume Noah Brown's probably like the fourth or fifth best playmaker on the offense. And he's doing it without Nico Collins, so it's hard to trust. But I do think he's proven to be someone that you can for sure throw into your lineup and hope that he hits on a big day. Kind of like, a, at this point, almost like a better Rashid Shahid with a way more trustable QB. Like, if Shahid was playing over here in Houston or Stroud was over there in New Orleans, he'd probably be having a monster season. But we're starting to get with Noah Brown, so... Noah Brown, you could start. Obviously, Schultz, you could start. Tank Tells, a starter every week. Just just good shit all around. Uh, big game from Jamar Chase, even though he came in a little banged up. The other the other playmakers, it's really hard to trust, like Boyd, Irwin, whoever, because they only ebb and flow with the health of T. Higgins. So if T. Higgins misses a game, yeah, we're looking at other pass catchers there, Boyd, Irwin, et cetera. If he doesn't, then they all pretty much become irrelevant. Let's move to the Saints and the Vikings. All right, a lot to talk about here. Uh, Derek Carr, like, dies on the field, but apparently he's fine. He had a shoulder injury and a concussion, but they have a bye coming up. 
Jameis Winston came in there and he was throwing that thing. He was um, he gave the team a chance. We'll put it that way. Derek Carr has just been fucking abysmal. He doesn't like take shots downfield. And 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 I mean that's one of the problems with a Jameis Winston is like he takes shots downfield that nobody asks him to take. And sometimes that works out really well. Like some of the t- the, the touchdowns to Olave, touchdowns to AT Perry, um, those are awesome. And those were not part of the offense when Derek Carr is under center. But then you know he had a bunch of drives at the end of the game where he could have came back and uh, and, and tied the game for him, but he just kept throwing uh, fucking unsolicited deep balls that kept getting picked off. I would love for Winston to be the quarterback going forward. For fantasy, for Chris Olave, for everybody on the field, that would be wonderful. Um, but I don't know how realistic that is. They gave Derek Carr a lot of money, and he's played awful up to this point. So unless he's like really injured, maybe, you know, maybe after the bye, they just say we want to rest him up more, give Jameis like one more chance real quick to see if he can like steal that job. We'll see. I hope I hope he gets to play. I hope he does, but I I don't know if I'd be comfortable throwing a lot of money on it. But he did make Chris Olave come alive, so it was good to see a six ninety four one game. Michael Thomas left really early on; he got hurt, so we need to keep an eye on that. Uh, Rashid Shaheed, I think, also got banged up. He like left with a groin injury, I want to say. Came back in, left again, uh, and when Michael Thomas went out, he did like tie Chris Olave for the team lead in targets with nine. But when Michael Thomas was out, At Perry was the wide receiver two on the outside. Uh, A.T. Perry's a rookie out of Wake Forest. Wasn't necessarily in love with his game, but made cool play yesterday. So a lot of moving parts here, and we won't really have a ton of concrete information with the Saints until after their bye week. The Vikings, Josh Dobbs, again, continues to just be like the story of the NFL season. Someone tweeted something out a couple weeks ago that, that I thought was funny. They were like, um, uh, Josh Dobbs deserves an award this year. I don't know what award. There's nothing that like he I guess he could be like most improved player. Yeah, that that probably works, but like I don't know what it is, but Josh Dobbs deserves an award. We need to create a, an award for Josh Dobbs. That just needs to be based off just fucking vibes. He he's the first one to get it. This season has been incredible, leads him to a win. I think the biggest takeaway here is that Alexander Madison suffered a concussion and Ty Chandler stepped in and looked good. And scored a rushing touchdown, something that Alexander Madison has not done yet this year, which is nuts. I made a fucking YouTube short in the summer being like, oh, you know, uh, this year's Jamal Williams could be. And I was like, I'm not going to say David Montgomery because that's too easy and it's a layup and like the the pieces of the puzzle just fit too well. There's no way it could happen. Of course, it's fucking David Montgomery. Um, but I said Alexander Madison could lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Literally couldn't have made a worse proclamation literally couldn't have found a worse player to say that about. He has zero. Ty Chandler now has one. Madison, I would say more likely than not, misses next week's game. Because 75, 85% of the time, if you have a concussion, you miss the following week's game, at least one. So that would put Ty Chandler in line to start and probably handle a big workload. Um, I also think this might be one of those situations, too, where I don't want to get too overblown because we've seen this happen so many times already this year. And eventually you need to start learning from your mistakes. You need to start saying, hey, like we thought this thing, it didn't happen. What can we take away from it? And most of the time with those mistakes, guys like Ty Chandler, like there is a reason they're a backup. There is a reason that he was behind Alexander Madison. There was a reason that they traded for Cam Akers and they still didn't play him. So I will not get over my skis on Ty Chandler. Madison will probably miss one game at most. Um, So I'm not blowing a whole bunch of fab on him, but he'll be a nice plug-and-play guy for you, a guy that will probably uh, get a lot of touches next week. And he's he's an explosive player, so he can rip off a big play and make your entire fantasy day on, on one carry or something like that. But again, there's a reason why backups are backups. There's a reason why third-string guys are third-string guys in the NFL. So not everything just fits like a puzzle. I also think Justin Jefferson might be back next week too. So Jordan Addison might be time to ship. Uh, Packers Steelers Steelers win twenty three to nineteen. Uh, not not a huge takeaway day here. I would say that like Jaden Reed is pretty much 
clearly cemented himself as the wide receiver one in this offense. He may not see as many targets as Christian Watson, but Christian Watson's targets are they're basically useless. Like they're they're just not connecting on any level. Sometimes they're valuable if they ever connected, but they just don't. So you have a streaky player with a streaky player, and that gives you streaks. Okay. Do your fucking laundry, Christian Watson. It's it's not happening for him this year. Jaden Reed, I, I feel pretty good about him though. Jaden Reed is a consistent playmaker down the middle of the field. He's getting possession targets. He's getting all that kind of stuff. So Jaden Reed's been an absolute smash hit for the Green Bay Packers second round. Um, Aaron Jones, a lot more work than A.J. Dillon in this one. Four catches, 17 total touches. So it was a uh, it was a little bit of a split there, but Aaron Jones seems to be completely back into that you know, 1A, if not just like RB1 role there for Green Bay. He'll probably ebb and flow with the success of the offense altogether. They play the Chargers next week, which is a great matchup for running backs. The Lions are pretty tough, but then Chiefs, Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, all around a, a mix of good and bad games, but there's nothing on there that I would be nervous to start as it relates to Aaron Jones. Now, 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 now. Sorry, let me zoom right back in there. Uh, all right. So also, also, let me just take a minute to say, I don't. We got 450 people in here and only 52 thumbs up. So I'd appreciate if you guys grew up, you know, became mature eventually and hit the thumbs up button. If you're one of these 450 people out of pocket on the flip side. All right. Kenny Pickett. I got to be honest, man. Like, I got to be honest here. The Steelers are a they're in a they're in a terrible terrible position all around. Like just from a because they're just so fraudulent. Prior to this game, they're averaging like sixteen and a half points per game. They were, I believe, outgained again. I don't think they've outgained any of their opponents in their wins. I think they have been outgained in every single win they have from an offensive yardage standpoint. Like, they're not a good team. What I will say, like, it's like they're in such a tough position with Kenny Pickett. Like, what are you going to do? Like, there's nothing they can do. But I will say, this this ground game, while the Packers' run D is, is abysmal also, they're another team that you want to start every running back against them. Jalen Warren, 15 for 101. And a touchdown on the ground. His first 100-yard rushing game. Shout out to Jalen Warren. Najee, 16 for 82 and a touchdown. He's even turning it on a little bit. What I will say is this could be one of those instances. This happens often, but it typically goes under the radar until after the season. And then people look back and say, like, oh, this, this was that. Or this was that turning point. A lot of times, right, like one of the key narratives this offseason why all y'all love Najee Harris. And I was like, don't take Najee Harris in the fourth round. And everyone was like, no, you're an idiot because they improved their offensive line so much. They're so good now. Um, a lot of times when, when a team improves their offensive line, it typically is on the back of drafting a few early round rookie offensive linemen, which is what Pittsburgh did. They took, what's his name? Fucking Broderick Wright, I think. They took... Or was Project Wright the the Bear? I don't know. I, I forget the names of the, the rookie offensive fucking tackles right now. They took a rookie with their first-round pick, and they signed some guys through free agency. And a lot of times what happens is those rookie offensive linemen take a minimum half of a season to really get going. They're typically awful in the first half of the year, which is what we saw in Pittsburgh with this offensive line as a whole. But we typically see like a huge turnaround. They go from being awful and getting situated into the NFL to being pretty damn good and playing up to their draft capital. And it is usually indicative of the entire offensive line turning their shit around. So the continuity with rookies and free agents typically take a long time on the offensive line. The same way that rookie wide receivers sometimes take half a season to really get acclimated. And the second half of the year is when they break out. This could be, I don't want to go like too far into it, but Jalen and Najee are starting to piece together game after game after game, good games. Um, and, and listen, I know they're, uh, 
playing against the Packers is not like super inspiring, but it was the Titans. We'll see how they do against the Browns. That's a legit defense, but then they get really good matchups against the Bengals, really good matchups against the Cardinals. The Pats stink. The Colts stink. The Bengals run defense again. They have a really, really good running back schedule rest of season. So you will never catch me saying Najee Harris is a buy, but let's just say Jalen Warren I'm hopeful for. So I, I think we might see like second half of the year Pittsburgh Steelers run blocking line play well. Um, What else is going on here? The passing game is just atrocious. I'm still starting Deontay Johnson every week. Pickens is more of like a kind of desperate flex play just given the fact that whenever Deontay Johnson's on the field, Pickens does not see a big target share. It's like 18, 16% every single game. So unless he makes a big play, it's useless. Deontay Johnson came away with a with a shitty day, but normally he's getting like eight, ten targets, whatever. They just didn't throw the ball a lot. They ran the ball thirty six times to twenty three pass attempts. So, idiot warrior. Yep. Titans, uh, just not not a great day for Will Levis. Played played like a rook. Nineteen for thirty nine, hundred and ninety nine yards and an interception. Derrick Henry eleven for twenty four. This was a game that I thought Will Levis could have played really really well because the Bucks passed. He had just been getting fucking shredded as of late. So, uh, really disappointing performance. We'll kind of just see what happens uh, over the next few games. I get the Jags, the Panthers, the Colts, the Dolphins, the Texans. So, they have a string of good games outside of probably Jacksonville where Will Levis can kind of get right and they can get a better feel or give them a little bit of momentum going forward. But uh, I don't feel very confident in Will Levis. I'll, I'll probably still start DeAndre Hopkins just because his target shares have been super, super high with Will Levis. And they don't have anything else going on in this offense. Kyle Phillips has kind of been sneaky involved as well. You're obviously starting Derrick Henry. On the flip side, Evans goes bonkers, 6 for 143 and a touchdown. Dude dropped like one of the easiest, cleanest touchdown passes of all time from Baker. It was insane. Like wide open on a slant. Most un- It had to have been the worst drop in Mike Evans' career. Like there's no way he's had a more embarrassing, easier one. And he fucking like, <laughs> when he dropped it, he like, I don't know. He did some weird shit. Like, he spazzed out, and his body just fucking, like, contorted. Someone tweeted out, like, uh, <laughs> at that point, I would have just faked a torn ACL or something and stayed on the ground. It it, it it wasn't good. It wasn't great by by Mike. But, I mean, he still had a great fucking day, and he's on pace to smash that 1,000-yard mark. He's got to be fucking close already. What's Mike Evans at right now? Yeah, you're Mike Evans at 737 already through nine games. Good for him, dude. I'm happy for him. Um, what else is going on? Rashad White continues to dominate touches. Just not a good not a good runner of the football, but 20 carries, 51 yards. Keeps getting it done through the air. He's had over, I want to say over 40 receiving yards in like four or five straight games. He's got to be close to the top of the top of the uh leaderboard just in terms of running back receiving yards. He's, he's got to be really close to being number one. Yep. 326 yards. 13 off of Christian McCaffrey for the number one spot. Kamara obviously would have that if he had the two or three extra games that these guys have. He's right behind him. But just like, what, where is Rashad White sitting overall in half PPR? He's got to be up there just by pure volume. Damn, that's actually kind of wild. He's all the way down at 16. How are you going to have that much passing work and still be down at fucking running back 16? That's wild. I guess some of these guys have 10 games, but some of these guys also have seven and six games and fucking four games. Actually, we are in points per game, so that doesn't matter. Whatever. I just be yapping. Um, Yeah, that's it. Chris Godwin continues to be disappointing. The K-Dot and flop week was so fucking obvious it was coming. As soon as everybody's like, K-Dotten's the GOAT. Of course, he he's K-Dot. He's K-Fucking-Otten. Uh, Godwin goes four for 54 every single week. So he's like, he's barely playable. He's like playable if you're desperate, but he's also been that way for like a month. So I don't know why I'm bringing it up now. Niners, Jags. This was gross. This was gross for the Jaguars. Uh, the Niners just had, you know, you give Shanahan two weeks to really prepare for a game. 34 to three on a team that was six and two is the result of that shit. Brock Purdy played really well. They tried to get C-Mac in the end zone for his 18th consecutive game with a touchdown. Uh, that didn't happen. They 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 were up by like third. I think I mean the final score is thirty four to three. They had a goal line drive at the end of the game, and they gave it to C Mac four straight times to try to get him that touchdown record. Couldn't get in though. 
And afterwards, Chris McCaffrey's like, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a loser. I'm a loser. Everybody else scores besides me. You are a fucking loser, dude. I need a touchdown out of you. Uh, George Kittle, big game. Brandon Ayuk, good game. Wouldn't say big game, but good to see Debo back. He gets in the end zone on the ground. This was just a vintage San Fran, like, wanted to remind people how good they really fucking are. Jacksonville. So the thing with Jacksonville here is, like, we, we probably realistically just need to have a, a discussion about, like, Trevor Lawrence in that Trevor Lawrence is a good QB, a good NFL quarterback, but he's just not um, – he's just not, like, the savior of the league that we had been told he was going to be since his, his time at Clemson. And that's okay. Like, not every, not every quarterback can be C.J. Stroud, you know? Not every QB can be Patrick Mahomes. And I think we probably just need to come to realizations like I don't I don't think this dude has a top ten fantasy QB finish on the year. And if he does, he has one. He's he's put together too many performances like this. And realistically, I, I think you know, he, he needs to just be probably perennially looked at for right now in that you know, like Kirk Cousins, uh, Dak Prescott obviously is playing way better ball. But the way that people have talked about Dak Prescott over the years and how he fluctuates from tier to tier, he has a good game. Everyone's like Dak top five. He has a bad game. They're like Dak, the, the Dallas should move on from him kind of thing. Uh, Trevor probably realistically, I, you know, he's shown glimpses. Obviously, he throws with great anticipation and he makes great plays, but it's almost like a bad version of Justin Herbert where it's like he he has some of those high-end traits, but like the consistency is just so off. Like something's just off there. So I don't know. ETN, yeah, whatever. He had a bad game. Excuse him. Kirk, another huge game. Calvin Ridley just clearly just he ain't it either. So I think you could start Ridley if you need to, but you're definitely looking at, at him as way more of like a a low-end wide receiver three at this point. And there are a ton of dudes that I would rather start over Calvin Ridley. I think I just saw something from Matt Harmon. He was tweeting out. Uh, success rate for Calvin Ridley just against man. Yeah, here it is. Calvin Ridley's 2018 to 2021 average success rate versus press coverage. 76.7%. 2023 in season. 64%. So he is. Um, he, he that that layoff has has affected his skill level. We'll put it that way. He's not the same player he once was. That's a, that's a learning lesson. I'm usually always on the pessimistic side of these like miraculous comebacks or just these situations where you're like, mm, you know, he's old. He's coming back from a big break. Like I'm usually the one that that keeps calm and I'm like, nah, I'm good. Like I'll let somebody else dive into that. But Ridley was a dude I really liked and. Yeah, he also embarrassed me. So, what else is new? Just get in line. Browns, Baltimore. Uh, I don't know how the fuck the Browns won this game. The first pass of the game from Deshaun Watson was a pick six. Great play by Kyle Hamilton. But uh, what I will say, okay, so let, let, let's 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 stick the takeaways here. Deshaun Watson started off terrible. Like the first half was arguably some of the worst quarterback play of the year by anybody. Second half was crazy though. Completed like almost every one of his passes and led a, a comeback. This guy, he also got hurt like six times in this game. Every time I looked over, he was like getting bent in half. His ankle was snapping. I will say, though, there's a real chance that he suffered a high ankle sprain in this game. There is a very real chance that he suffered a high ankle sprain in this game. And we need to monitor that very closely going forward. So that would be not good for the Browns. Uh, Jerome Ford, 17 for 107 on the ground. He continues to... Be really, really good for them. Kareem Hunt continues to be the goal linebacker, though. So, again, this is like week over week. They're both pretty startable because they both get like Jerome Ford's value comes via volume. And he's also kind of involved in the passing game. Kareem Hunt's value comes on the goal line in an offense that's good. They're six and three. They score a lot. They're good. Um, so, Watson, we're going to have to keep a very close eye on the injury to Deshaun Watson. On the flip side, Keaton Mitchell came into the game. I, I will say with Watson, though, they're they're still like this. Even if he's healthy, this gives me no v very little confidence in him. Like nothing actually looked good still. 
it still felt like every time he dropped back, I was more expecting something bad to happen than something good to happen. He made some good throws. Like, he made some nice throws to Amari Cooper. A lot of his production came, they ran, I think, like four screen passes for David and Joku that all went for like 10 plus yards. He, he, he dropped some dimes to Amari Cooper for sure, but the large majority of his production was like broken plays, scrambling, that type of shit. Drop some dimes to Cooper, but other than that, like Watson still felt there still feels like there's something so fucking off there in that offense. Doesn't feel like they're like running, eh, whatever. He 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 looks terrible still. Um, for Baltimore, Keith Mitchell came into the game banged up, so you might say, okay, guy came in explosive as fuck, right? Like one of his, I think his first carry was a 39 yard touchdown run. He he showed crazy explosion on it. Only got like three more touches the rest of the game. He had a 32 yard catch. He got two more carries. Guy had four touches for 66 yards. So realistically, the way I look at this is it's only a matter of time before Justice Hill is completely phased out of this offense. Um, that was the way I was feeling about it. And I think, I mean, Justice Hill only got two touches in this game. But if Keaton Mitchell was healthy, I think that we would have seen a pretty big workload. I think the only reason he didn't get touches is because he was not fully healthy. As the season progresses, Keaton Mitchell is going to be a big-time playmaker in this offense. So if you have him, be really fucking excited. I think you'll have to keep an eye on practice reports like really, really closely in depth uh, just to see you know, if he's a full participant throughout this week, then I would feel relatively good about starting him next week or whenever you know. I, I think they play next week. So Keaton is showing every bit of that explosion even when he's banged up. Uh, Odell scores again, but again, two targets, one catch. Looked good on that slant, though. That, that looked a little bit like vintage OBJ. But still, I have very, like, no trust in him. <sighs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not talking about the Falcons. I'm not. But the Cardinals, I'm happy for you guys. I'm fucking happy for you. I'm so glad we're on a bye week. I'm so fucking glad. I might take off. I might also take a bye week from content, from football, from a lot of things. I can't do it. I can't. I can't do it right now. I will say, I will say, because I'm generally an optimist, which is that's not true at all. Right now, we're projected the number 10 pick in the NFL draft. But we're also like one game out of leading the division. And it's like there, there's there's a world. There's a world where, one, we get a top five pick. There's also another world where we win our division and then we're hosting like Seattle or Minnesota in the first round of the playoffs. I'm just saying, Super Bowl still could run through us. Who's to say? Thoughts? All right. You guys don't seem to buy it. Thought it was a fair pitch. SB through ATL. Whatever. Fuck you guys. Arizona, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for Kyler. I actually genuinely am happy for Kyler. I've really liked Kyler for a really long time. I think he's got unfairly shit on for far too long for a player that's as talented as he is. I hope he's a fucking Falcon next year. I really do. If I'm looking around the quarterback landscape and I'm like, who is the guy that I want to be an Atlanta Falcon next year? And I had my choice of like the fringe guys who might not be on their team, you know, like being realistic, right? Like we can't get, can't get Lamar anymore. Could have, could have had Lamar. Kyler, I would love for him to be a Falcon. He comes back. His arm was a little bit rusty, but he was, he, I mean, he looked he looked fine on the ground. There was no limitations on his knee. Six for 33 and gets a touchdown. Could have had two touchdowns. They brought Clayton Toon in on, uh, on the one-yard line for a tush push. Kyler could have had two touchdowns on the ground. He did not look limited whatsoever. I wasn't really nervous that he was going to be late. He'd been a full participant of practice for like weeks now. I think they were just waiting for a matchup like the fucking Atlanta Falcons. We are so bad, dude. We are so bad on defense. We came away with two sacks, but like 
our pressure, like our, our just pressure down to down is so bad. It's embarrassing. It's been the same for six years. Like, lock it up. Lock it the fuck up. What are we doing? Get Montez Sweat when we have the chance to do it. My God. Um, so, a couple things there. Kyler, great to see him just, like, absolutely look playing without limitations. I think he's still going to be a little bit rusty. I also want to say, had they brought him back against, like, Baltimore or Cleveland over the last two weeks, I think he probably would have looked terrible. The Falcons' pass defense is atrocious. We can't get a single ounce of pressure on any quarterback. So, I want I want everybody to keep that in mind. Kyler, for me, is still he, – he is a, a guy that I think you toy with the idea of starting him in one QB leagues. He's not like a top 10 for sure thing for me right now. But I think when you're looking at QBs like 13, 14, up to 16, that's where Kyler probably fits in, in good matchups. Um, But I think against good defenses, we're going to see some grown – we're going to see some pains, some return pains for Kyler Murray. It's good to see James Conner back, though. Zero involvement in the passing game, but 16 for 73 on the ground. He looked good. He was he was like the old James Conner, breaking tackles, running like a fucking psychopath. So he's someone that you can put back in your lineup and trust immediately in this offense. It became his backfield once again. Um, In the receiving game, man, few things. I will say uh, Hollywood Brown almost had like one of the plays of the year. Kyler Murray missed him on a deep ball. It was like a 30-yard touchdown-ish strike where Hollywood fully extended out for this this pass in the back of the end zone, hit off his fingertips. Nothing else he could do about it. He gave everything he fucking had on that. That's six inches inside to the field, and we're looking at a 30-yard touchdown for Kyler and Marquise Brown. So it was a down game for him, but very close to being a big game. Trey McBride had a monster game. Nine targets, eight catches, 131 yards. Trey McBride feels like he's fucking here to stay took that Ertz injury for 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 them to fucking unlock him. And that's some that's some fucking typical NFL shit. Ridiculous. Um but McBride looks so good. So if you have him, you could roll him out every week. He feels like he is absolutely here to stay. Kyler Murray targets his tight ends at a very high rate. It's it's sexy out here, man. Uh Michael Wilson, 3 for 34. He was second on the team in targets with 6 and he was about a yard away from a touchdown as well. That got called down. Um, I thought it got it. I thought it got it, you know. But I'm actually excited for Michael Wilson going forward. I think him and Kyler are going to have a nice little nice little thing. What else is going on? Detroit, L.A., this was a great fucking game. Uh, David Montgomery's first game back, 12 for 116 on the ground. He obviously had that 75-yard touchdown run. That was fucking awesome. But he looked fully back. This was like uh, the big question mark. You know, with David Montgomery back, what is the split going to be? Jameer Gibbs actually outcarried him, 14 to 12, 77 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, also got five targets, three catches, 35 yards. So a few things, I guess, to talk about here. Jameer Gibbs outplayed uh, a little bit more than him, but I do not know if that's actually like predictive of what's going to happen going forward, given the fact that uh, it was Dave Montgomery's first game back. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if D- Dave Montgomery goes back to that like 55% to Gibbs's 45% role. I will say, though, like Gibbs – now is in a different position than he was earlier on in the year, right? Like where it was like we were hoping for Gibbs to get 10 touches. Now I think you can expect 12 to 15 touches a game for both guys. They're both super startable. They're both fucking super talented in an offense that is just slicing and dicing every fucking defense in their way. Um, We'll also have to see what happens on the goal line. They apparently, I don't know if this is like real or true or not, but like Gibbs was coming out on the goal line one on one of his goal line scores or his goal line score. And Dave Montgomery's like, nah, like, you know, get back in there. You carried the team down the the field on this drive. Like, go score that touchdown kind of thing. So, DeMont could have had two touchdowns. Gibbs could have one. We don't really know what the split on the goal line is going to be. We just know that they score a lot of fucking touchdowns down there. So, um, be excited if you have both of them is really the only thing to take away from here. On the flip side, Herbert has a big day. Eckler has a big day. Keenan Allen has a monster day. He did get a little bit banged up. So keep an eye on injury reports for Keenan Allen. Uh, Jalen Guyton, for a guy who hasn't played in like a year and a half, looked kind of good. 
six targets, four catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. So he's someone that I, I think will probably continue to get more and more involved in this offense and might be someone to look at on the waiver wire. Quentin Johnson finally got into the end zone, four for 34 and a touchdown, but still didn't look great. Had a bunch of like penalties called against him. Not against him, but like on him. No, not on him. I don't even know how to fucking say this correctly without sounding like an idiot. The defensive players got called for penalties while guarding Quentin Johnson. And the ball was thrown to Quentin Johnson. And the defensive player did a bunch of shit that caused the referees to throw the yellow flag and say, hey, the guy guarding Quentin Johnson, I'm giving you a penalty. Clear? Can we move on? Can we shake? I want to shake your hand. Wonderful. Um, yeah, there's still, it's still really hard to have any faith in Quentin Johnson. I feel like Jalen Guyton needs to be owned now that Palmer and Mike Williams are out for indefinitely. Uh, Commandos in Seattle this is another great game. Howell and Gino both played fucking really, really, really good ball, especially in the second half. Uh, Brian Robinson had a monster day. I think he was the RB1 on the week in fantasy, mainly because he had two really, really big catch and runs. He had a 51-yard score, and then I think he had like another 40 or yeah, like 40-yard touchdown or 40-yard uh, uh, catch and run down the sideline. So that was cool, but not a lot else was cool there, man. Like for Sam Howell going 312, three touchdowns, there was almost no production from the receivers. Deami Brown led the receivers with 41 yards. 41 yards? Uh, Terry McLaurin did lead the team again with eight targets. Disappointing day for Jahan Dotson, only two targets, zero catches after having back-to-back good days. That's not surprising, though. It's kind of just been the flow of this offense. They spread it around quite a bit. Gibson has put together, like, some decent games uh, over the last month or so. Am I lying? Is that not true? Didn't he fucking... What are these stats here? Oh, wait, did I click on Gibson? Nope. Alex Arma. I was like, what the hell? What the hell? <coughs> uh he's been he's been super involved in the passing game. Five for forty two and a touchdown, and also five for forty two the week before that, five for twenty eight. So like you could probably do worse than Gibson, I guess, in PPR leagues, but I'm not excited about it. Um on the flip side, Kenneth Walker seems to be back to full health. Nineteen for sixty three on the ground, so not super efficient, but he did catch a sixty four yard touchdown pass so he ends up going for like a buck 30 total and a touchdown so that's a monster day obviously everybody eight receiver wise dk seven for 98 tyler lockett eight for 92 and a touchdown jsn 453 whatever whatever um but he is obviously the third target in that offense zach charbonnet he's doing enough to be like damn zach charbonnet looks good but never enough to like want to put him in your fantasy lineup um, obviously, he needs to be held. Obviously, he needs to be accounted for in fantasy leagues in case Walker goes down. Zach Charbonnet probably walks straight into, straight into, lowers his head like he does in the game, straight into 20-plus touches. He is playing a ton in the passing game. Like Kenneth Walker had the one catch, Zach Charbonnet five targets, four catches. And this has been a theme now. He's playing in the two-minute drills. He's playing on long down and distance. He is the preferred pass catching back. And he was a good pass catcher in college. He caught a lot of balls. He's not necess- he's not a pass catching back, but like he does it well. So that seems to be his role, which is nice. A nice little yin yang, man, because no matter who you have on the field in that backfield for the Seahawks, like defenses can't zone in on run or pass. It's hard to tell. You put Zach Charbonnet out there, it's like they might pass the ball or they might run it right up our fucking skulls, you know? It's tough. So it's a nice little duo they got there. Seattle comes away with a nice hard fought win. They're six and three now, four and one at home. Big win for them. Jets, Raiders, not a big win for the Jets. Uh, just another abysmal game. Thought we were going to see a, a big game out of Brees Hall. 13 for 28 on the ground against the Raiders' fucking putrid defense. Goes 3 for 47 through the air. Uh, Garrett Wilson, 9 for 93, so I guess good to see. But, again, this this team is just – they're just not serious with Zach Wilson, man. They can win games because of their defense, but, like, Zach Wilson's never going to be the one to win it for them. On the flip side, they got Jacobs really involved. They went out of their way to make sure Devontae Adams was super involved. 13 targets when you look at a guy like Jacoby Myers had two targets everybody else super diminished roles um so with Antonio Antonio Pierce like is interesting because he is such a player's coach and he is playing he is coaching from a point of like you heard it two weeks ago right his first game he was like I was going out of my way to make sure Josh Jacobs was super involved to make sure he got over the century mark and now he came out after this game was like 
I went out of my way to make sure Devontae Adams is the one getting involved kind of thing. He has very specific game plans. Whereas it kind of felt like earlier on in the year, the first half of the year at least with Josh McDaniel, it was kind of just seeing what happens and the game was coming to the players where now, I, I don't know if it's bad or good to be honest, but they're forcing all the plays. They're forcing things to happen, which makes it scary because if they go into a game plan, like if you're starting Jacoby Myers and last night's game plan was only throw the ball to fucking Devontae Adams, you're going to put up a dud. So I do think this hurts any role players in this offense. If you're not Josh Jacobs or Devontae Adams, I don't know if you can expect anything. I don't know if we can reasonably expect any sort of volume for any other player. So that's a little nerve wracking. You know, they did go against the Jets defense, so that's tough. But like Aiden O'Connell, he's looked like whatever. He hasn't he hasn't looked great. Um so I, I would probably downgrade everybody besides Jacobs and Devontae Adams here. And even Devontae Adams, I still think you could probably downgrade him a bit. Like 13 targets, but still only came up six for eighty six, didn't score a touchdown. Not gonna be a ton of scoring opportunities for this offense and and he's been up and down with Aiden O'Connell. Um just the nature of who Aiden O'Connell is as a quarterback all right so that actually wraps up all the games i believe for the week but as promised we're going to get into some squares for underdog and if you're new into the stream as i always said as i said at the very very beginning if you have not yet signed up for underdog just go to underdogfantasy.com they're giving you an absolutely free square right here all josh allen has to do is get a single fucking yard on monday night football one yard pass run receiving don't matter you win on underdog and because i love you i'm giving you the promo code bdge so if you want to throw down 20 onto your account first time depositor and you were going to put that on josh allen guess what you use code bdg and you'll have 40 on your account they double they double whatever you put down on your account if you use code bdg and this free score will be sitting there double cheeked up for you okay go over to underdog fantasy code bdg let's check what do you mean i don't have permission at my location What the hell? Oh, well, they got a free square pretty much for Jordan Poole tonight as well. They, they be doing this all the time. My, my biggest suggestion to y'all, and this is not even like I don't, I don't care if you use the code or not, turn notifications on for Underdog if you have the app. They are giving out free squares like all the time, but a lot of times they're like flash sales. So they'll be like for the next 30 minutes, you get a .5 total yard square on, you know, this player or that player. So, um I would just say if you download the Underdog app, you have it and you use it frequently, make sure you got notifications on because they are. Oh, if you don't have them on, you won't see those. But they give away free money fucking all the time. I don't know how it's beneficial to their business. All right. We've got the Buffalo Bills and we've got the Denver Broncos. So first thing that comes to mind is the Buffalo Bills defense is not great. Um, they have a really, really bad defense right now because they're so banged up. Second thing that comes to mind is Javante Williams is starting to be used like an absolute hoss, like a workhorse. If you look at last week's game, 30 touches and 18 the week before that. Um, you're seeing the production follows as well, right? 98 yards last week, 96 the week before that. And they have him at 55 and a half rushing yards. They have him at 16 and a half receiving yards. I like higher. On either of these, you guys can kind of pick and choose whatever you want, receiving or rushing. I think I would take the higher of 55 and a half rushing yards for Javante. I don't feel I don't feel like I have a good grasp on what this passing game is going to be like, to be honest, with Denver. So I typically stay away from them. But you could also just run this right now. You could run the Josh Allen 0.5 uh, free square. Or you can run it with the Jordan Poole one if you're already like if you've already been on the platform, you can go hit that ten and a half point Jordan Poole and pair it with uh, Javante Williams and be good to go. What else do we got here? Josh Allen. The Broncos defense has been sneaky. Okay, they've been like sneaky pretty good over the last month or so. So I don't think anything here is a free square. James Cook at eighty and a half total yards feels very very high for a guy that doesn't really do this consistently. Um, 39 yards last week, 73 yards a week before that. That's, that's one I would keep my eye on right there. James Cook lower than 80 and a half total yards. Diggs is always a good bet to go over. Dalton Kincaid, I like, I wonder if they're ever going to respect this man. He's been crazy since Dawson Knox went down. 
eight for 75, five for 65 and a touchdown, 10 for 81. This dude just gets it done. Um, So something with the Dalton Kincaid over feels kind of good. Khalil Shakir has been super involved, so I kind of like either receptions or targets here. Receptions feels good because all he, all he has to do is hit three. Since Dawson Knox went down, he's gotten four receptions, six receptions, four receptions. And the push here of three receptions, like if he hits three receptions, you don't lose your bet. You just push. So I think that probably would be my favorite square here. Shakir, either three receptions higher or four targets higher. Both of those feel really good. So that that is that those are the double squares I would probably rip right there, along with any free square that you might have on it. I don't think they're gonna let me bet this for some reason. Sometimes it's wonky with uh, the location. Oh, I gotta fucking turn that on, turn it on after the stream. Whatever, whatever. Just trust that I'm putting this bad boy through. Your your all right. Well, that is uh the week ten game by game recap. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. I'll be bike tomorrow with the week 11 waiver wire video that goes live around noon eastern time etc etc make sure you go sign up for underdog use promo code bdg and we shall see you tomorrow love you